The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Eight minutes after eight here on AM Live. And on the Forum at 8 this morning, we are in conversation with a man who has been called Egypt's very own Indiana Jones. Now, he's a world-renowned archaeologist, and uh, he's also a former Minister of Antiquities and Director of Excavations at key sites such as Giza uh, and also the Valley of the Kings. And all these years, you know, seeing him on my television set, never would I ever have thought that I would have Dr. Zahi Hawa sitting across from me? Thank you so much for coming in this morning. You are welcome. Thank you. So how long have you been in South Africa for now? I think I came only two days ago and I'm leaving today. Never. (laughs) Three days. Yeah, I'm going to Cairo today. So we are absolutely blessed to have you here this morning. Thank Thank you you. so much. But, uh, you know, for those who didn't know, you obviously in South Africa uh, for a tour. And uh, there's an exhibition currently underway. Do talk to us about that. Yeah, I was uh, giving two lectures, public lectures and... in conjunction with this exhibit about King Tut. And this is uh, a beautiful exhibit. Uh, it's a replica of the beautiful artifacts of uh, the golden mask, the coffins, uh, the throne. And it's an exact uh, replica. And you have to know that the real objects of King Tut will never leave Egypt. Then this is a good opportunity for everyone to know how the tomb was found. The mm. thrill of the discovery when Howard Carter asked Lord Carnavon, who funded the uh, excavation, asked Howard Carter, who was looking from a hole, what do you see? And he said, wonderful things, wonderful things. We'll know about the boy, king, who ruled in the age of nine, uh, over 5,000 artifacts has been found inside his tomb. The curse, it's a word that was created by the death of Lord Carnavon, and we still talk about the curse of the pharaohs until now. And actually, uh, I will tell you something at the beginning. Uh, when I uh, went to city scan the mummy of Tutankhamun for the first time, and uh, I moved the mummy from the tomb, and I put it inside the city scan, one second after I put the mummy, the city scan machine stopped. And it was the first time in my life to think there is something called the curse of King Tut, because why the machine stopped. That is the mystery of the discovery and the mystery of ancient Egypt, that there is adventure, there is a thrill, there is uh, a discovery, there is gold, there is silver, Mm. there is curses. It's amazing. So are all of these things real? Because what I want us to do is perhaps just take a few steps backwards just to make sure that everybody is on the same page. Um, you know, the, the, the tombs of the uh, pharaohs. Um, you know, talk to us about that and, and, and King Tut in particular and that particular curse and the people who have fallen foul to that curse. Yeah, you know, uh, <clears throat> we have the Valley of the Kings. Uh, the Valley of the Kings contains 64 tombs. There is two tombs found uh, in the Valley of the Kings after the discovery of the tomb of Tutankhamun. All these tombs are beautifully colored with scenes to help the king in the afterlife. The discovery of the tomb of Tutankhamun is amazing because it's the only intact tomb to be discovered in the Valley of the Kings on November 4th, 1922. That day, no one will ever forget because George Carter was looking for this tomb for four years and he found nothing 
and uh, Lord Carnarvon did not did not want to give him more money but he insisted to have one more season and that is the lucky season when he found the tomb it became amazing uh, because of the the gold you know it's a small tomb but 5,398 objects were found that can help this boy to the afterlife and actually you know this year is a good year because I, I wrote my 12 book in King Tut I wrote 12 books in King Tut. And there is another one is coming in June, a big coffee table book for Tutankhamun. And actually, in this book, there is new things for the first time we know about King Tut, mm. how he died. Uh, uh, I discovered the members of his family through DNA and CT scan. And, uh, and really, it's, uh, it's uh, a book that I enjoyed writing because I used technology to reveal the history of King Tut. And Does this mean you're not going to tell us now? No, I will tell you. Oh, thank you. you want to, what do you want to know first? About uh, how did he die? We found out. And how old was he at the time of his he death? He died in the age of 19. He became a king in the age of nine. And you have to know that uh, uh, he suffered. He was a little bit ill because his father married his own sister. In ancient Egypt, sister can marry a brother, uh, 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 her brother. Because God can do that, but not everyone in ancient Egypt. It's Sister, only the royal mother, family. Same mother, same father. Yes, the royal family can do that because Isis, the goddess Isis, married her brother Osiris. Therefore, the king is like God and goddess only, but the common people cannot do that. Then Akhenaten, who is the father of, of Tutankhamun, married his own sister, and this is why Tutankhamun had some illness, like he had a flat foot, the blood doesn't go to his fingers in the feet, uh, he suffered from malaria, and he had an accident two hours before he died, and that caused his death, and I really, I think the accident, when he was riding a chariot, because even he was a little bit ill, but he loved adventure, he loved to hunt wild animals in the desert. And therefore, uh, many people thought before he was murdered because of that hole in the back of the head. I found that this hole was opened in Dynasty 18 in the time of the pharaohs to put liquid for mummification, but has nothing to do with his murder or anything like that. That's really the most important thing that I wrote in, in my recent book called Discovering Tutankhamun from Howard Carter to DNA. But to talk about, because I connected myself was King Tut because I worked uh, to find out about his family. I told you we discovered the mummy of his father and his mother and uh, we tried. Where were those found? There was mummies there but never know anything Mm. about them until we did the DNA and we found that the mummy found in tomb number 55 is the mummy of Akhenaten. And we tried to compare the two fetuses in his tomb in the treasury room found Two fetuses, one in the age of seven months and one in the age of nine months. They died, and uh, we found they were female children of King Tut. And with DNA, we compared, we compared them with uh, the uh, Amami in tomb number 21. And we found one mummy, which could be, we are not 100% sure, but the preliminary study of DNA showed that this could be Anch is in Amun. 
the wife of Tutankhamun. And there is a headless mummy beside that mummy. I really think that this mummy could be for the beautiful queen Nefertiti. So why was, an, why was it headless? It's damaged by time. People enter and they damage mummy and, and things like this, like uh, damaging mummy. Uh, you know, I was in the exhibit yesterday and I met the children, over 200 children from schools age of eight. And they told me, what do you do? I said, I'm a mummy hunter. Then a young lady came to me to say, oh, don't please hunt my mummy. Then it's amazing to see how children, uh, they love mummies. Mummies uh, had a thrill, uh, how the mummy was mummified and uh, how the Egyptian did that and why. All of this really belonged to the belief of the afterlife, mm. how the Egyptian believed that the afterlife is the long life and therefore they have to have their mummy mummified and they took with us all the daily life and the artifacts that will help them in the afterlife. Therefore, if you think someone like Ramsay II, who ruled for 66 years, if his tomb was found intact, what will be the tomb? A tomb of a young boy who ruled only for, not, for 10 years, and it was not important to find all these wonderful things. Mm. gold and silver and precious artifacts. Now, when you say, you know, um, uh, tombs that were found that were not intact, were they looted over the years? Yes, because we have uh, a papyri about thieves who entered inside the tombs and they steal things. And it's written hieroglyphic how how uh, a corrupted uh, mayor of the West Bank of Luxor of the Valley of the Kings was stealing artifacts from the tombs. And the mayor on the East Bank wrote against him to the vizier. And they found, when they made the account of the tombs, there is many tombs were stolen. Then the ancient Egyptian used to steal this uh, type of tombs. And King Tut tomb were hidden and saved because they were building above it the tomb of Ramses VI. And all the stones came and they sealed the entrance. And for Howard Carter to come and discover this tomb is really amazing. And we'll speak about Carter in just a moment, but uh, let's just uh, invite our listeners, should they wish to call in and speak to you this morning. Uh, the line to call in on is 0891-104208. You can also send your messages via SMS on 34701, or you can tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM or my personal Twitter account at Sakina Kamwendo. And we are in conversation this morning with a renowned archaeologist, Egyptolo- Egyptologist, Dr. Zahi Hawass. Now, Coming back to Carter and his discovery of this tomb of uh, King Tut, and as you say, it was intact. <clears throat> and here is it—is is this where the legend of the curse began? No, the, the, the legend of the curse began because Lord Carnarvon, who funded the excavation, gave exclusive to London Times to write only about the discovery. Then what's about the other newspaper? They have nothing to do. They can't write about anything. Therefore, Lord Carnarvon died three months after the discovery. And this when they created all stories about curses, like uh, they said there is a cobra, uh, there is a, a, a mosquito uh, bite him here, and others say it's a cobra, and they say there is inscriptions in the tomb that say, anyone who will enter my tomb, I will slay him. They created many stories about the curse. And I will tell you, when I went to CT scan the mummy of Tutankhamun, 
and I left my hotel at five in the evening to go to do that with my team. And when I left my hotel, my driver almost was going to hit a child. Then I had a, an assistant beside me. He said, sir, this is the beginning of the curse of Tutankhamun. I did not pay attention to that. But while I was, uh, we were driving to the Valley of the Kings, my sister called me and she said her husband died. Then it began to be more scary. During this trip, and these two things happened. When I arrived at the Valley of the Kings, the secretary of the Minister of Culture called me to tell me that the minister is in the hospital with a heart attack. I did arrive the valley, and a Japanese TV made an interview with me, and a big storm happened during the interview, and the Japanese were running away saying the curse of King Tut. Uh, when I entered the tomb and I took the mummy and I put it in the seat scan, the seat scan stopped. Everyone did not talk about the CT scan or did not talk about the result of my scientific work. They were interested only in the curse. But I would like to explain to you the real thing about the curse. Mm -hmm. I was excavating in a big discovery that I made. It's called the Valley of the Golden Mummies. I found a big valley in a place called Bahriya Oasis, about four hours drive west of Cairo. And I found a big valley of mummies, over 10,000 mummies in this valley. But underneath the houses of this village, we found tombs beautifully decorated. And I was excavating about 20 meters under the ground. You need to have light to see what's happening under the ground. Then I was excavating, and I'm holding a lamp in my left hand, and in my right hand an axe to clean the sand. While I was killing the sand, I found a statue. Then I pushed the lamp to look at the statue. The lamp was broken, and electricity hit me, and I fainted for one hour, for one minute. And when I wake up, I told my assistant, if I died, everyone believed in the curse of the first. But Sakina, if we have a mummy in this room, and this mummy stay for 3,000 years, the mummy will make germs that you cannot see. If you enter direct to the tomb, the germs will hit you. Then people die. Mm. But what I do in my excavations, I open the tombs until the bad air will go out and the fresh air will go in. Then nothing can happen. There is nothing. I don't really believe on the curse of the first. It doesn't exist. But it's fantastic for people to talk about it, mm. for movies to make of movies course, about like it. Of course, like the one that exactly. we saw on TV. Yeah. It was fascinating. But of course, in as much as I would love to hog him and keep him all to myself, you are most welcome to speak to Dr. Zahi Hawass this morning, 0891-104-208, and ask your questions. But just before I get you in on the act, Queen Nefertiti, the images that we see of her, you say that, um, you know, the one that you believe to be her, the corpse that you found headless, uh, that you believe to be her. Are those images accurate that we see of her, that beautiful woman? Yes, it's completely realistic. The uh, bust of Nefertiti in Berlin Museum that I hoped to bring it back to Egypt and I had a big fight with the German and the German 
hate me because I want to bring Nefertiti back to Egypt. Because I found out that this past left Egypt illegally in 1912. And I wanted to return it back. But I couldn't. Mm. Uh, but uh, if you look at her, she shared Iknaton his life. She left Thebes, Luxor, and lived in a place to worship this new god, Aton, the, the power behind the sun. And she supported her husband, but suddenly we did not hear anything about her. Some people believe that she changed her name and became the co-regent with Akhenaten. And we believe that maybe she ruled after the death of Akhenaten for a year or so, and maybe she was assassinated. But she had six girls. But the mystery, we know for sure that Tutankhamun was born in Amarna. But we never see him in any scenes in Amarna. Why? We do not know. Did Nefertiti hated him? That she tried to hide him? But he married her sister, Ankh is in Amun, on the mm. age of nine. And he, but the thing when he, when Akhenaten died and King Tut became the king, he left uh, Amarna and he went to Memphis to live there. And he changed his name from Tutankh Atun to Tutankh Amun. He returned it back to the old dogma of the god Amun, not the one god Atun that his father worshipped. Wow, fascinating stuff. 891 let's get you in on the act. And uh, Dr. Zawas, if, Hawas, if you could uh, please just put on uh, the headphones. Let's speak to Kwame in East London, in Port Elizabeth, rather, I should say. Good morning, Kwame. Morning, Sekina. How are you? I'm well, and you? I'm fine. I'm, I'm going to be brief. Uh, doctor, yes. um, I've, 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 I've watched your documentaries. I've read a bit about you. and brilliant, brilliant. Just a quick question. Even uh, my son, I named my son, my son Aken Arten. Now, Aken <laughs> Arten, right? Yes, Aken Arten. Yeah? He made a radical move by erasing all the other gods that were worshipped and said, now it's only going to be Aten that is going to be worshipped, which was the son. Yeah? Yes. And he even moved the capital, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. But what what I need to find out from you, how radical was this move of saying no more worshipping all the other gods is now just going to be added? Was it a political move? Okay, Kwame, before question. you go, what, what, uh, what prompted you to name your son? Well, you know, people need to realize that civilization started in ancient Egypt. People, people need to realize that even if we look at... Christianity, if we go deep, deep into the history, all of it started from there. But that's another story for another day. Okay. I named my son Akhenaten because I'm, I was, I'm fascinated by Akhenaten. All right. You know, I really yes. believe that Akhenaten was really actually Aton himself. And, you know, when he began to think about this one God and the power behind the sun, everyone hated him. And this is why the priests of Amun want to get rid of him. And, but he left, he left uh, uh, Luxor or Thebes and he went to Amarna. The biggest mistake that Akhenaten made, that he made all the Egyptians to worship Aton through him. Therefore, when he died, the Egyptians could not find Aton.
and they return it back to the worship of the Gat Am. Kwame? No. No, I'm, uh, we still have you on the line. Are you uh, satisfied? Anything else you want to know? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied, but not fully. Why was he, he in fact, he was, he was erased from some, some of the tools and things like that. They, they tried to erase his you know, history. You know, because he, the Egyptian, has uh, a continuation of religious to start thousands of years. For someone to come and change that, the Egyptian did not like this, and they hated this. And this is why the priesthood of Amun, when Tutankhamun Amun came back and he changed his name to Tutankhamun, Amun, they began to erase everything that has to do with Eknaton and Aton. Because that's something new for the ancient Egyptian. The Egyptian could not uh, accept all these changes at all. And this happened in many times in history. That, uh, and and the, the statues and the inscriptions and the hieroglyphic and the scenes of Aton uh, has been damaged everywhere because they did not accept the new god Aton. Mm. And, and, and uh, just on the subject of names, uh, because we are coming up to news time, so Hassan, Faisal, I'm not going to take you guys now. We'll take you after the news break. We'll come back to the calls after the news break. But here's one uh, Twitter question from um, Klubers who wants to know, um, what does the Egyptian name Hotep or Imhotep mean? Uh, Hotep means peace. Then okay. It's, yeah. Then it's, it's it's connected because Imhotep was the architect who designed uh, the Great Pyramid. He was a normal uh, guy from the common people, but he came genius because he designed the Step Pyramid. This morning, uh, we have the honor of having renowned uh, archaeologist and Egyptologist Dr. Zahi Hawass in studio with us. And of course, your questions, I'm not going to waste much time because clearly people want to talk to you. People have questions for you, Dr. Hawass. And I just want to read a few of the messages here. This one says, I'm riveted. Uh, thanks. Uh, we appreciate that you're listening. Joel in PE wants to know, does your guest believe in the story of Egyptians drowning in the Red Sea as told in the Bible? You know, this is not only written in the Bible, it's written in the Old Testament and Quran that the Pharaoh who went after Moses was drowned on the Red Sea. Actually, we don't have any evidence in archaeology to support that. We don't have any evidence at all to tell us anything about Moses. Moses was an Egyptian name. But we don't have anything written. Why? I really believe that what Moses did was not something that the Egyptian will record. The Egyptian will make a record of anything has to do with the king giving offering to the gods, smiting the enemies of Egypt, building tombs for himself, temples for the worship of the gods. Mm. Moses doesn't fit with that. But maybe a student from the temple did hear about Moses and he wrote the story. And I always say that we found until now 30% of our monuments, but still there is 70% is buried underneath the ground. One small thing, the only evidence that we have about the Exodus, we have one inscription in Cairo Museum dated to the reign of Merbetah. It say that the people of Israel were destroyed and they left Egypt. 
and in the in the Bible and the Old Testament, they say that the Pharaoh was drowned, was dead. That inscription is said by a poet to the king, meaning the king was alive. Mm. The, 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 the poet will never say anything for a dead king that is a great king or something like that. And therefore, we believe that the Pharaoh of the Exodus should be before Merim But who? As an archaeologist, I can say who was the pharaoh of Exodus. And just very quickly, who is responsible? Uh, we look at the hieroglyphics and, you know, people capturing, you know, what was going on. Who was responsible for that? Who did that? To The, the, the actual hieroglyphics, the writing. Who, 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 dis- who did that? Who found the language? Uh, not particularly founding the language, but who was responsible for doing the actual writing, but the you actual know, drawing? The artist. The artist. We have in ancient Egypt, the ancient Egyptian language is divided to three scripts. The first is hieroglyphic. And the hieroglyphic is written on the temples and the tombs. Mm. This is the sacred script. And who writes that are the artists who design that. Then we have the hieratic. The hieratic is writing, daily writing between people, letters and things like that. And we have the demotic. It came from the word demos, means people, and it's the popular spoken language. Perfect sense, because I was just wondering, how could everybody write, uh, draw that beautifully? So it makes perfect sense that it was the artists who did that. Let's go back to the lines, 891 Hassan in Durban, thanks for holding. Good morning. Morning, Sakina, uh, and to your guest there. Well, firstly, I want to thank you, Sakina, for a good presenter and always your team, very professional. Thank you. And so the doctor, you know, I'm coming back to what you were just speaking now about who was the pharaoh at the time of the exodus because uh, I think uh, if you, you were speaking, doctor, earlier on about, you know, uh, DNA and, and using CT scans, the, the technology, I'm sure you, we can, according to your knowledge, at least have time period of the exodus and know which was the pharaoh in terms of historical timeline. Number one, you know, and I know it was Pharaoh Menetha. Some other people did this research. It was Pharaoh Menetha or Ramesses II. This is according to other scholars who have done such research. And one or two of them have done, uh, you know, uh, autopsy and, uh, and uh, you know, medical uh, examination. And they found the alveoli expanded to say this is the Pharaoh of the Exodus. So I just want to know there were other researchers who have identified the Pharaoh it's there now in the Royal Mummy Museum. I've been there myself, you know, by Ramesses the second. What is your take on this? Thank you so much, Hassan. Let's let's take a few more calls and then we'll respond to them. Um, uh, Faisal, you're in Mayfair. Good morning. Hi, good morning, Sakina. And good morning to your guest. Uh, Sakina, you know, I, I, in my opinion, the, the archaeology and the artifacts of uh, does not only belong to Egypt, it belongs to all of humanity. And I think we all, we all have a duty to preserve and protect the, the archaeology and, 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 and the artifacts. My concern is that, is that the, the archaeology and artifacts are amongst a, a, a very large Muslim society in Egypt. And, and I'm, I'm not saying that, but if you take in consideration that a large segment of the society have a very similar ideology to the Taliban of Afghanistan, for example, who blew up all those magnificent Buddhist uh, statues in Afghanistan, uh, our, uh, and, and considering the, the, the revolution of Egypt, 
which allow many uh, 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 Muslim uh, sect, for example, to take into power. Are, are we, are, should we be concerned about, the, about these artifacts in, in Egypt itself uh, being destroyed by some of the Muslim extremists in that particular uh, country? Thank you. Faisal? No, let us answer the first mm-hmm. question. The first question, you have to know that the people thought that the mummy of Ramses II should be the pharaoh of the Exodus. Therefore, the French took the mummy to France and they studied the mummy and they found there is no evidence in the mummy at all that the king was drowned. I did a scan with and DNA all the mummies of the dynasty 18, 19 and the 20s and I found no evidence in any single mummy that showed that this king could be the pharaoh of Zagreus. We really do not know. The, about the second question, I want to assure you one thing. What, you could be right if the Muslim brothers were ruling. The Muslim brothers are terrorists. Uh, they have nothing to do with Islam. Islam is a good religion. What do you hear now from Taliban and others has nothing to do with Islam. Those people are completely terrorists. We have to thank God that we get rid of the Muslim brothers because those people wanted to destroy the pyramids, wanted to destroy the Sphinx, and I stood against them. And you have to know, we are so lucky that Egypt get rid of the Muslim brothers. Even some uh, Western countries supported them, and I don't know why. How can we support terrorists? But you have to know that now Egypt is ruled by a wonderful president elected by all the Egyptians, and Egypt is preserving our treasures. We had some problems after the revolution, but Egypt is safe now, and if you follow what I did by building 20 museums in Egypt, I restored Jewish and uh, Islamic and Coptic and Pharaonic monuments all over Egypt. We returned 5,000 artifacts back. We are giving the Egyptian about to know, uh, to have awareness about their, their monuments. Then I want to assure you that your heritage is safe. Mm. And speaking of your heritage, uh, just a question here on uh, the Twitter timeline by Ndla Ndlo. And he wants to know whether these mummies were actually African or were they Arab? You have to know. Uh, there is, if you look at the origin of the ancient Egyptian, there is two theories. One theory written by Sheikh Antadup from Ethiopia. And he believed that the origin of the pharaoh was Negro. And uh, uh, another theory, it say that the origin of the Egyptian were Semitic and Hematic. Means people came from Africa and people came from Asia. And this is why if you go to modern Egypt now and you go to upper Egypt, you'll find the people who are dark. And you go to the delta, you'll find the people who are light skinned then it's, uh, it's the origin of the Egyptians were Semitic and Hematic. Mm. Let's go back to the lines. Uh, oh, before we go, let's just answer uh, Hassan's question. Uh, the Pharaoh at the time of Moses. And uh, I think you did uh, speak yeah. to that already. So um, I hope that uh, you actually got that. But, but maybe he didn't because he asked the question still, um, Doctor. So maybe you just want to run him through that again. No, I just want to tell him that the, we don't really know. 
all what's written in the Old Testament, in the Bible, and the Quran, it is just said by the gods. But in archaeology, there is no evidence at all. So there you have it, um, uh, Hassan. Let's go back to the lines. Uh, Mariana in Seth's view. Thanks so much for calling in. Yes, uh, thank you for answering my call. Um, I just wanted to say I lived in Berlin for many years and uh, seen the Nufertiti many, many times. I've been in Egypt as well. And I just want to say that the statue of the Nufertiti is in the best hands it can be. And I don't know if a moving of it would be a good idea because uh, it's a very fragile. The, um, the actual statue or the head is made um, so delicate that if, if the temperature, it's in a glass case, the temperature would be changed, it was practically fall to, to pieces. So is it a good idea to change something like this into an um, environment which might not be good for it? And I think sometimes these uh, artifacts which have been looked after in other countries should really be um, there for the world to see and not just in Egypt because not everybody can go to Egypt. Okay, okay. that's Mariana mm-hmm. and Seth's but, view. But uh, I want to tell you, Mariana, that uh, if, wa- if what you are saying is true, why Wildung, the director of, of Berlin Museum, made a replica of a body of Nefertiti and in an acting scene, he took the bust of Nefertiti in his hand in a taxi and put that above a statue. Number two, I agree with you that museums has to have artifacts to show to the world. It cannot only in Egypt, but museum has no right to have stolen artifacts in their museums. Mm. Museums has to have uh, uh, illegal artifacts by excavation, by gifts, but not the bust of Nefertiti was stolen and taken out illegally from Egypt. It should go back to Egypt. There's your answer, Mariana. Sebastian uh, in Cape Town, good morning. Yes, good morning to you and Dr. Hawass. Good morning. Um, just for the, uh, give some background information to the listeners. Some years ago, a small robot was sent up a very narrow shaft within the Great Pyramid, and um, they discovered a uh, little door with a handle. Now, at the time, they didn't go beyond it. It is theorized that there's a chamber behind it. And I haven't heard uh, myself to date that uh, anything further has been done about this, although there's a great uh, deal of curiosity and interest throughout the world. And apparently, the technology now exists to send better robots up and perhaps uh, get into this chamber. I just wanted to ask Dr. Hawass what has actually happened, if anything, and if not, why there is um, a delay in, uh, let's say, uh, investigating something which has aroused such great worldwide curiosity. Thanks you so know, much, Sebastian. I want to tell you that we first uh, used a German robot and we found a door with two copper handles in the south entrance of the second burial chamber inside the Great Pyramid. And I used, again, National Geographic robot, and we found a second door after the first one, and we found a, th- a third door in the northern uh, channel. Therefore, 
I was searching for a good team, a good technology, and I found a guy from Hong Kong who designed a robot. He was a genius guy with an English team who are preparing to do that. The delay of the investigation came because of the revolution that happened in Egypt in January 2011. And, you know, we... Uh, that's the reason that we, but we are planning in the future soon to reveal what is hidden behind the doors inside the Great Pyramid. And we'll be sure to make that call to you once that happens. Uh, Tabo, you're calling from Germiston. Uh, from Germiston. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, Sir King and the listeners of SAFM? We are great. Thank you, Tabo. Okay, fine. Thanks. I just want to ask the archaeologist about, okay, I normally, normally I've studied about the, cro- the Nile crocodile and the Egyptian scorpion, but I just want to ask him to hear from him about whether is there anything that there is being written or any evidence about the dinosaurs that have been discovered in the Egypt and so forth, because it's like our like our civilization have been traced from Egypt and so forth. I just want to hear from an archaeologist. I will listen to the radio. Thank the, you so much, Tabo. There is one uh, remains of dinosaur has been found near a site called Bahriya Oasis and is dated back, I think, to millions uh, years ago and it has been found by University of Pennsylvania and they are studying that uh, skeleton of the dinosaur and it is now in the Geology Museum in Cairo. Uh, we'll talk about the pyramids and of course the conspiracy theory that uh, the pyramids were indeed built by aliens from outer space. So that's still to come in conversation here with Dr. Zahi Hawass uh, who is talking about Egypt, Egyptology and archaeology this morning. And uh, many of you may have seen in IC, someone asked if we can please post a picture of uh, the good doctor because he's enjoying the discussion, even though he, he doesn't know anything about this, but he's finding it riveting. So we do appreciate uh, you listening in this morning. Um, I just want to uh, run through a few messages here and uh, see what people are saying. But before I do, let's just talk about the pyramids and the conspiracy theories behind you know, it. You know, 15 years ago, that conspiracy theory was big because of Graham Hancock and John Antinoist and a third person, I don't like to say his name because he's devil until today and he used this uh, for him to make money and to insult people and make conspiracy against people and this man uh, hurted me a lot recently but I debated those people everywhere and even in South Africa, there was a famous TV program that was known, I don't remember the name of it, came to Egypt, and I did show them. You have to know that we have all the evidence that this alien's theory is wrong. It is an imagination of, of people who are dreaming or sick. Uh, you have a babari just found about a few months ago in the Red Sea. is talking about a crew who was working the construction of the pyramid under the architect Ankaf, went to Sinai to bring copper for the construction of the pyramid. Yani I can give you one hour lecture of why pyramids belong to Egypt. What's hidden under the Sphinx? I drilled under the Sphinx recently for 22 meters, and I found completely nothing is hidden under the Sphinx. The Sphinx is a solid rock and a living rock, and nothing is hidden underneath. 
people has to stop to dream about aliens or people came out of the space or lost civilization to date the pyramid back to 15,000 years ago, it is uh, uh, completely wrong. It is written by people who look to be rich and to make money, and they are a cheater. And one of them, he wrote a book about the Orion mystery, and he dated the pyramids to 15,000 years ago, and this man should be thrown in the sewage. Wow. And uh, this is because uh, you, you believe he does not know the history of Egypt. He does not even know not, what is he's going a, on. His, his, his guy, you know, I, you can argue with me. You can debate, but don't use this to be against people and try to do something evil against people. And that man that I don't like to say his name is one of them. And we haven't even spoken about Cleopatra and Mark oh, Anthony. We are searching. <laughs> we are searching for her right now in a temple near Alexandria. I'm working with a lady from the Dominican Republic, Dr. Kathleen Martinez, and we think that Cleopatra and Mark Anthony were buried in this temple. We have been excavating there for the six years. We found uh, many important statues of Cleopatra, and uh, we hope that we can find her tomb because if her tomb was found, is found on the 21st century will be the most important discovery in Egypt, more than the tomb of Tutankhamun, because it's romantic. She was in love with Caesar and Mark Antony, mm. and she wanted to rule the world. And this is Cleopatra the seventh that we're talking about. Oy. So much more to come, much more to look forward to. And no doubt it will be keeping uh, Dr. Hawaz busy for quite some time. Here's a question from Ste in KZN via our SMS line. Ste says, Sakina, your guest says a lot of fascinating stuff. Now, what does he think of life after death? Does he believe in reincarnation? <laughs> you know, I was, uh, I was uh, doing something uh, a film a documentary was Omar Sharif life and uh, Omar Sharif uh, inside the king chamber had a, a replica a statue of Khufu and he said do you think of reincarnation I said if I believe in reincarnation I would love to be Khufu the builder of the great pyramid and many people ask me if you live in the past whom do you like to be I said Khufu the builder of the great pyramid, because I want to know many things from this king. He was a wise man. He built the greatest structure in history, the great pyramid. Mm. And and we've spoken so much about other things, but you, the man, Dr. Zahi Hawass, what is it that you do for fun, relaxation and enjoyment? You can't be excavating all the time. You know, I work seven days a week. Wow. Uh, and uh, I write uh, every day uh, and to be involved in excavations or lecturing. But I like in the after, in the evening to clean my mind, to go dinner with people, to go to see movies, uh, to listen to in the relaxed hour before I go out for classic music. Then I'm a normal guy who loves art and I go to the opera and I, I love culture. But you don't like rock music? I don't at all. <laughs> I think the, the 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 people who came to the pyramid, the rollings, the rolling rock, the uh, Rolling Stones, Rolling Stones. That's what I hate. You <laughs> see, 
in front of the pyramid. The Rolling Stones are with loud music and people uh, drinking beer and getting drunk, drunk in front of the Sphinx and the pyramid. I don't like that. Oh, Rolling Stones. <laughs> but to see Frank Sinatra singing mm. or Billy Billy in front of the pyramid, that was the most beautiful thing ever seen in my life. Oh, clearly you liked old blue eyes then. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, Berly Billy was not a blue eyes. Mm-hmm. Berly, you know, Berly Billy, she died. Uh, the, 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 the black American singer. Billy, something Billy. Billy Holiday. No, no, something. She died. She was beautiful and she came to Egypt and she did sing. It's called Berly Billy or something. I don't remember her exact name, but she was so famous, and she uh, died, but she did sing the most beautiful songs in front of the Sphinx. Okay. So um, that's the music taken care of. What's your favorite thing to eat? Oh, I I love uh, Japanese food, sushi, and I like Italian. Can you believe I don't like to eat Egyptian food? <laughs> <laughs> why not? I don't know why. I am I'm because I travel all over the world and I like really to eat in restaurants. I'm, you know, I'm a good friend of Omar Sharif, and I and Omar Sharif doesn't like to eat at home. We like to <laughs> investigate all type of restaurants all over the world. And I'm having dinner with him actually tomorrow night. Where will this be? It will be in a Chinese restaurant at the Four Seasons in Cairo. Wow. And, with um, Dr. Zivago. <laughs> with Dr. Zivago in the flesh. And, of course, you will not be having Egyptian food. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's all been so fascinating, you know. And um, it's been a brief uh, visit to South Africa. But uh, anything stand out for you? Uh, I'm going back to Egypt now. I'm going to meet an American uh, group to give them lectures for 10 days. And after that, I do have a big lecture tour in America, in Houston and San Diego and Los Angeles and San Francisco and Cincinnati. Are you married? I am. And how does she cope with you? Oh, there is no, I mean, there is no lady to be, to marry an archaeologist. She will be happy. (laughs) She she would be miserable. But I tell you what, what uh, Dr. Hawass was telling me after, uh, um, you know, while we were on a spot break, he's going shopping after this for his good lady. I won't say what he's buying. I know what he's buying. I shan't reveal the secret. But I guess this is why she stays with you, because it doesn't matter that you travel all the time. You always come back with good gifts. That's but uh, Dr. Hazai Hawass, thank you so much for your time this I morning. I enjoyed uh, talking to you, and I hope to see you one day in Egypt. Oh, oh no, definitely, and, and this uh, should happen soon. And to give a message to all the people in South Africa that Egypt is safe. Come to visit us. If the monuments in Egypt are yours, we need your money to restore these monuments. There you have it, Dr. Zawi Hawass, and he is, of course, an archaeologist and a renowned Egyptologist, and I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did this morning. And that brings us to the end of the morning and the end of AM Live for this week. So you have yourself a fantastic week. Thanks for your great participation, as always, and to the production team for making sure it went out loud and clear. It's 9 o'clock and time for news with Vibakshni Chetty Miller.